Hello, ladies. Welcome to the exchange. We are going to begin our new series. I hope that you ladies were able to look at your emails. We, uh, I had Maria and myself, we uh, composed a couple of emails that went out to you with some just practical things uh, that I wanted you to do. I wanted you to get ahead and be ready for tonight by reading Philippians, the letter to the, uh, to the Philippians chapter one. That's what we're going to be discussing tonight. I hope you had a chance to review it. I hope you were able to do the exercise. And if you don't, if you didn't get a chance, it's okay. Uh, open up your email and just have it ready because towards the end of our class, we are going to be just reviewing it. So again, welcome all of you. And do we have anyone new that just joined? No? Okay. All right. Well, I welcome all of you ladies. If you can please open your Bibles to the ESV version, if you have it, if it's available. We're going to start by reading Philippians chapter 1. And... Whenever you're ready, um, just raise your hands just so that we can uh, make sure that everybody is at the book of Philippians or the letter to the Philippians chapter one. Okay, awesome. So before we begin to read, I would like to just pray and make sure that, um, thank you ladies, thank you for your participation, um, raising your hands, thumbs up, any of those either will work. Um, welcome all of you. If you can just make sure that you create that time, that space, wherever you're at, where you can focus in and just meditate and allow this time to fulfill you to renew you to refresh you heavenly father we give you all glory we just tell you how grateful we are right now we want to come together as a community of your daughters lord people that love you people that have decided to be your follower people that are hungry to know you people that are just here lord just with an open heart and need to be refreshed by your word tonight lord we just elevate worship to you and praise god we just want to tell you how important you are lord to us and we ask that you come in and you place yourself at the center of every conversation that will be held tonight lord we just give you all glory and all praise in advance father for what you're going to be doing in our lives thank you god open up our minds and our hearts to be able to receive every single thing that needs to be expressed in our lives each one of us lord that we not be the same as we begin this series lord we just pray from beginning to end you are with us and to you the glory to all the testimonies that will be um experienced through this series thank you father god amen 
Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask if Maria, if you're available, will you read chapter one of Philippians, please? Yes. Uh, the ESV. Yes. Um, Paul, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and, in the, and then in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you how I yearn for you all with the affection of G of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. 
but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glorify in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Thank you, Maria. Well, hello, ladies, once again. For those that just joined, welcome to The Exchange. Tuesday night, 8 p.m., our Bible study. We are beginning the series of on the book of Philippians. And the title of this series is To Know the Contentment. To Know the Contentment that we have in the Lord. The Secret to the Contentment. So I'm sure that we're all wanting and eagerly wanting to know what is and how is it that we can live a life in contentment. Well, for those of you, there's there may be some people that are going to be, and just know that if I sound like um, I already know all of you, it's because this is also going to be prepared for the podcast. So it's going to be available on the podcast of the exchange so if you know you hear me say welcome or i introduce myself from here forward don't feel awkward or feel like why is she saying that um it's just really because we want to make sure that it's ready to be uploaded um, for our future podcast and on the website so this series will be available for you to re-listen or for someone else that you want to you know you want you may want to share this with someone else it'll be available so i want to share by um begin by sharing this i have learned that in whatever situation i have learned that in whatever situation to be content we didn't read that in the Uh, first chapter of Philippians, but you can find it in Philippians chapter four, verse 11. In every circumstance, Paul says, I have learned that in every circumstance and whatever situation, I've learned to be content. After reading that, reading the book of of Philippians, there's going to be some highlighted verses that where I I felt like this is a great book to read right now. I mean, maybe you're reading other books on your own, but it's, it's a mind, the mindset. If you notice the exercise, you know, what's on your mind, you know, and we're going to, 
maybe if we have the time to share, if you don't, we, like I said, the email is available for you guys to share. If there's anything that comes up, if it, there's any thing that you want to share that you're learning along the way. We want to hear that. We want to engage. We want to have that engagement uh, from me to you guys and you guys to us because we can all learn from one another. But clearly, we see Paul saying, in whatever situation, be content. So to me, when Maria just read with us chapter one, it takes us directly into highlighting somewhat what I could call a crazy or even a savage character from Paul. And why is that? Why, why do I say it's crazy and it's savage? Because the way he's sold out for Christ, this man is totally sold out for him, where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hmm. For me to live is Christ. In other words, he's saying, I need to die. I need to die to my flesh because the person that needs to live through me is Christ. And why do I say it's crazy and savage? Because if we read, um, we recognize that in the first chapter alone, we see that he's writing this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. So he, Philipp, the, the church of Philippi, that's the church that he led. That's the church that he had, you know, built. And this there was a, a sense of a closeness to them. It was, uh, he was the leader. He was the person that fed them spiritually. They were the ones that supported him to be able to continue spreading the gospel. And so there was a, you can tell that there was like a, a, a very closeness. There's a, a, a heartfelt emotion, I can say, towards this church because he basically led many to the Lord and he continued to disciple them. So they were his church family. It was one of the churches that he, that he founded, that he built. And so, you know, when he's saying to them, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he's saying all this while he was in prison. If you could just for a moment picture yourself if I was in prison, sitting there in a cell, I could think of everything else other than to be joyful and to just be content at that moment. There was nothing different about Paul. Paul is someone that we talk about, you know, through we hear him because he wrote the books, you know, many of the books that we're going to be covering. But at the same time, he's a character in the Bible that, he, we all know he's a, he's just a sellout for Christ. He is a radical believer, a radical follower, and he, in many ways, has really encouraged us. And till this day, two thousand and something years later, we're still reading about this man. We're still reading the letters that he wrote to the church then that really can apply to us now. 
So we cannot say that it's not something that can really happen. You know, he's human. He's he's man, but yet he is he demonstrated that we can have a mindset like the one that he was expressing. So he was excited. He was excited while he was in jail, while he was in prison, because all he could think of is the, the repercussion that, that happened because of him being there. At this whole, this, during this whole time, he was content. His imprisonment instead caused boldness so that these people, the followers of Christ, began to preach and they began to live the gospel. And they did it with boldness. So that was the repercu- one of the good things, one of the, the things that he was able to witness from him being in jail, from him being in prison, shackled down because of what he demonstrated and he lived out even while he was there. Imagine he's in prison, yet he can influence the people that were out there. So much so just by his example and his mindset that he, he created or he stirred up boldness in these people and they began to preach the gospel. How can we, you and I, imitate that mindset? Have, have, or can we ask ourselves that question? How can we imitate that mindset? The mindset of Paul. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, it's painful to die. That's why I said, wow, he's, that's a savage character from Paul because it hurts to die to ourselves. It's very painful. I don't know, maybe you, you've experienced dying to your flesh. I don't think that there's anything fun about it because it totally goes against what we're used to. We're used to possibly defending ourselves and we're, we're used to being very independent and taking care of ourselves and knowing what's right. I know what's best. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my family. I know best. There's that I that's always standing out. And so that it's difficult to even think that I would have to die to my rights. Because what Paul is saying, you die to your rights, but even though it's painful, you'll, you'll come to a contentment because what you're, you're going to begin to live is Christ. And you can't do that alone. We can't deny in any way that Paul has confronted some harsh situations Yet again, I say the word, he sold out for the gospel. Would it be fair to say that he was convinced that the gospel, the kingdom life that he lived was by, he was convicted, he was convinced 
Think about it. What took Paul to live the way he lived? Can I be able to imitate that mindset? Or is that only for Bible times? Again, listen to what he said in Philippians 1.29. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is an interesting phrase, and, and I don't believe that in any way it's only an action. I don't think it's just an action. This here is a state of being. He's living it out. He's not just acting it out, but he lives it. He breathes it. It's just him. It's who he is. And we, we tend to bring this up, but it's uh, this example a lot. Um, but it's, it's probably the most effective, I can say, or the best uh, simple visual that we can get. We don't have to, I don't know how many dog owners or dog lovers are connected tonight, uh, pet lovers, but you don't need to convince your dog of barking or wagging his tail. You do not need to convince him about being a dog. You are a dog and sit there and try to convince him about it. They already know. They're going to act, they're going to wag their tail, they're going to bark because it's their nature. You and I don't have to bring a pet home and convince the pet dog to bark. He's a dog because his nature is that. And this is where we need to go. This is what Paul in the book and in, in the letter of Philippian to the Philippians, he's trying to tell us. He's trying to teach us by his example. He's not just saying it. He lived it. And as believers, ladies, as believers, as followers of Christ, we should want to imitate that mindset that Paul began to live. Again, it wasn't something that he said just because he took an action. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No, he knew it. He breathed it. He lived it. So to live is Christ. What, is, what could that mean? To live is Christ. One, our position as a member of Christ's body. We need to know our position as a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are the body of Christ. My question to you, ladies, is do you know your position? Do you know what it is to live is Christ. I don't need to go and, and put my, um, my U.S. passport around my neck or have it as a badge. 
I am a U.S. citizen. I am a citizen of the United States. Do you know that now that you are in Christ, you are now a citizen of the, ken- of the kingdom. You are now a member of the body of Christ. A body. Can I remind you that a body cannot tell, my hand cannot say all of a sudden, I don't want to be part of your body and me just to ignore, you know, work with just one hand. I cannot say I don't need my neck anymore. I don't need my, my feet. The whole body is in harmony, is continually working. It needs one another. My right eye needs my left eye. Everything, everything that God created a human being to have, it is important that we have. And we need, I need, I can't just say, well, I don't need one lung. Some people can survive with just one lung, but we can't just say, I don't need it. It's meant for us to have two lungs. So there's parts of the body. We're all members of one body. So it's very important in this first class that we begin to be reminded, what is it to live in Christ? Well, one, I need to know my position as a member, and that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And the next one is our minds. Our minds are in the minds of Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Once again, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? When you read this verse, it's almost like when you and I, and I include myself, when you and I, we walk this journey with the Lord, and in moments, we think we're better than God. Oh, no, not me ever. Yeah. Sometimes our attitude, our reactions, our decisions... We think that we're the ones that need to instruct God on what to do. Thirdly, our lives making Christ appeal. Our lives should be displaying Christ. That's a follower of Christ. And when, I'm going to pause for a moment because something came to my mind right now and I want to share it. See how we talk about kingdom? It's very different when, again, maybe for some, it's breaking some paradigms that we may have. Things that sit very deep, very back in our subconscious. Teachings, ways, that we think that that's what it is to be a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is someone that is willing to deny themselves and let him transform us. 
to have a mind like his and to be able, like number three, to be able to display, display Christ. To be the ones that appeal for Christ. Doesn't that sound as a more so like a, a government lawyer type of word, the appeal. I want to appeal. I want to appeal this, you know. It, it, listen to, to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives. But he uses ambassador. Again, the government of Christ. We belong to the government of Christ. We belong to the kingdom of God. And God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors. We represent. We don't represent ourselves. There's no lone, you know, lone rangers here. I do whatever I want. And the eyes need to be diminishing more and more and more in our lives when we are walking with the Lord. And it needs to be more about him and him. Yes, Lord, what do I do? That's why even Paul says, I'm a slave to Christ. He uses these words so that we can understand and have a better perspective of what it is to be able to live for Christ and us die. We are slaves to Christ. That means a slave doesn't do whatever they want. A slave does what the master says. That's why it's, it's, I don't want to use the word terrifying because that maybe that's a little too harsh, but it, it's frightening to read in the word that there are going to be people that at the end when, or when we're before him and say, oh, father, father, father. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Who are you? Because we can just say it from my mouth outwardly, but I'm, I'm not living out 2 Corinthians 5.20 where it says that I, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, establishing his kingdom here on earth like in heaven. Remember we, we were reading uh we were talking about prayer and we read the prayer that he left us as an example the our father when where he says on earth as it is in heaven it's not just a thing to repeat what does that mean we are ambassadors he has us here we chose this life we chose for him to come into our lives not for just that moment that we were in dire need. It is a lifestyle, ladies, and it has to do with the mind. It's a mindset. And that's why I'm excited about this letter of Philippians that we are going to study because it's a mindset. And when we begin to see that, it's going to be easier and a clear perspective of what is it to be able to have 
and imitate the mindset that Paul was, how could he be in prison? How could he give his life and, and be, he, he just gave his life entirely and say, I'm here I am in prison, but here I am singing a song, praising God. And if we're real with one another, how many times have we been afflicted because there is no way of getting out of that, ladies? I'm not here to sell you like we hear some of these people trying to, you know, sell sell a, a, a religion or sell God, sell the kingdom for in saying, oh, come and all your problems will be solved. Come, come. And what happens is when people get their problems solved, they they think that they can tell God what I need this, God, I need that. Remember, we just said that's what it says in First Corinthians 2:16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord? So as to instruct him. Who? Who has the mind of Christ? We have our own mind. And we pray from our own mind. We act from our own mind. And he's saying, no, be transformed. Be transformed to mind, to a mind like mine. The more we know our position with Christ, with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, the less we try hard and the more we surrender. The less we try hard and the more we surrender. In the doing, it's more, yes, there's a, a role that we need to play and, I, and maybe it may cause a, maybe a bit of confusion and I want to clarify. Yes, we do everything through the grace of God. And he's what I just said right now, that the less we try hard, we're not supposed to be, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try my best to do what's right. Remember what I just said, the dog doesn't have to try to bark. Let me see if this time I get it right. Is this what a bark is supposed to sound like? No, he barks because that's his nature. We don't need to try hard. We just need to surrender. We just need to let, let everything, just give it before his feet and say, I need to die. That's why Paul says, to me, dying is a gain. Because now it's him conducing my life. It's him. It's through him that I continue to move forward. And the second thing, the Bible records that Paul had a bold declaration. I don't know if you recall in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.9 says, take every thought captive if you're thinking something in your mind, even right now as you're connected, possibly even right now, as you're connected listening to this, me teach this study, could there be 
a doubt that wants to come into your mind? Could it? Could there be a, a, a thought that's trying to come and distract you? Could it be a thought that's trying to fight what the word of God says? And, he, and Paul begins to do that bold declaration. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. My thoughts, this is what he's saying. My thoughts, they're going to want to take over. They're going to want to direct me. They're going to want to lead me. But I'm reminded that every thought needs to be submitted to the obedience of Christ. Not my thoughts, Lord, but your thoughts, your mind. Not my ways, Lord, but your ways. Even though it may be something good, but it still needs to be through the obedience of Christ. Because there's a lot of good things that you and I could do. Oh, there's many. Many things, many good good deeds that we can do, but not every single one of them necessarily is in the obedience of Christ for your life for that moment. I repeat the verse, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is in 2 Corinthians 10.5. And some of you ladies may even remember when I taught on the spiritual uh, maturity. And this was a scripture that I used to make, I did made a lot of use of because it was used to make us aware that we have a weapon. We have a weapon, we've been given a weapon, a weapon of knowledge. We know knowledge is a weapon the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God, of knowing who God is, is a weapon. It's a strategy. That's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 is. It should be highlighted. It should be something we're reminded of, that we need to take every thought captive. If I pray and put my hands over my head and say, Lord, touch my mind, but at, there's going to be moments where you and I need to intercept. We need to react. We need to come in and say, no, that thought is not, even though it's very strong and it wanna, wants to overtake me, I need to make sure that it's filtered through Christ. And it's a weapon and a strategy again, ladies, that will dissolve all those perverted thoughts that can come up. And you know why I say perverted? Because I, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my perverted mind, but I think this is what I call perverted. When you doubt God, when you think that he's not enough, Or are we going to be too holy and say that we've never thought that maybe? Do you really exist, God? Are you real? Those are perverted thoughts. Why are they perverted? Because they twist the truth. 
And those are the thoughts that come from our sinful nature because you and I, you do remember, right? We do have a sinful nature. That nature doesn't go away. The battle will be always on. And the mind is powerful. The mind and what it holds. So think for a moment. We have circumstances that we're currently living and imaginations that can become weapons that determine our faith and hope. Circumstances. Circumstances that can come. Imaginations. Sometimes we think it's real, but they're just our imagination. And they become the weapons that that will determine whether we're living in faith and hope or we're not. And here's a a great statement to, to just think about. Our emotions, our emotions are a byproduct of the way we think. Or have you not had those moments where you're super angry and you just start thinking like crazy things? And then when you calm down and the fumes go down, they're like, you, you, more than likely you're not going to do all of those things that you thought of when you were hot at the moment and just fuming. But the emotions, emotions can make us think that. And what we think can make our emotions also be aligned with that thinking. It'll change it. That's why mental illness can be caused by early adverse life experiences like trauma, history of abuse, some witnessing violence, sexual assault, child abuse. These are all traumas that we live. And they, when, when I say mental illness, maybe it's not to the state of maybe having to be under some medication or being um, an inpatient, you know, having to be in a hospital or anything like that, or seeing a psychologist. It doesn't have to be maybe to that extent. But it, I just said, our emotions are a byproduct of the way we think. If you and I have had those serious traumas, those experiences that cause fear, abandonment, we talked about these before, abandonment, rejection, especially abandonment. Imagine feeling like you just got left. No, where is everybody? Those are traumas. Their experiences. History of abuse, witnessing violence, sex assault, child abuse, and more. And there's more. You know, only you know. Only you know. 
you know what you've been through? What are those traumas? Imagine that is that is our mindset. We can't we're, if we haven't been healed, that is part of what our mind holds. And from there we have emotions, and from there we're making decisions, and from there we're leading. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak to a young lady. She's 26 years old, has two kids. And it all started when I approached her at her desk. This was maybe um, two months ago. And I saw that at her desk, they had put balloons and they decorated for her birthday. And I guess it had been days before I had, for the first time, seen it. I hadn't been in the office for a while. And I, when I walked in, it was still up and she wasn't at her desk. So when I waited and she, she was there and I approached her and I went you know, around and I went behind her and I gave her a hug, patted her on the shoulder and I said, happy birthday. I said her name, and she looked up to me, and she, she was sitting, and I was standing behind her, and she turned around and looked at me, and she said, oh, thank you, but kind of like shy, and I go, why are you acting shy? And she says, no, it's not that. It's just I don't like celebrating my birthday. And I said, oh, and what about your kids? I said, are you guys going to do something? You know, I, I kind of didn't want to... Um, you know, get into that comment, you know, dig in deeper into that comment or make her feel uncomfortable. I think that if anything, I wanted to, you know, divert the conversation. And so I asked her, I said, so what are your, what about your children? What are you guys going to do for your birthday? And she says, oh no, my kids don't know it's my birthday. I said, really? She says, no, they, they don't know when my birthday is because that's how I want to keep it. I don't want them celebrating my birthday. So immediately I knew there was something wrong. And that stuck to me. Obviously it was a workplace and she works at a, a fast-paced um, office. And so I left it at that. I didn't feel at the moment that that was a conversation I was going to pursue with her. But I knew definitely that there, that there was something wrong and it's not so much like I want to be nosy and get into her business, but I've just felt like there's there's healing that's needed here. I want to pray. I want to talk to her. She's known me for some years now, but we never had this conversation. I never knew that about her. And so I continued to pray for her. And the Lord gave me an opportunity last week. Last week, the the. The platform was just there. It was there. I walked in and because I had seen her before, but it just seemed like that day was just the day that the Lord had prepared. I knew that something was not right. And she, um, she said to me, did I tell you what happened? I didn't even, I said, hi, how are you? And I said, can I use the conference room? And, and then um, I don't know what I said. And she just opened up and said, did I tell you about what happened with my kids? And, oh, 
Oh, I had asked her if her kids were, they started school already. And that's how it, the conversation began. And I said, no, and I'm not going to get into that part of the story, but it was really something really bad happened. And so for the sake of protecting her um, and her family, I won't mention it, but we began to talk. And I said, this is the part that I wanted to get to that connects with what we're talking about and the mind and what holds the mind and the trauma that we many times don't want to confront because it's so painful, but it's so necessary. And I'll tell you why, because here we have a, a young mom who just almost lost her kids. And she sees a psychologist She's seen a psychologist before, and she, can, she had stopped. Now she went back to therapy. But when I began, and the Lord put the words that I needed to express to her, she began to cry and weep and weep. And it was a little awkward because her boss came around the corner and walked into the, the office to ask her something, but she was very gentle about it and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'll come back. And we continued and to talk. And I said something to her that made her stop crying all of a sudden and look up. And I said, I asked her if she believed in God. And she said, no. And I said, I, you're crying and you're saying that you want, you don't want to be like your mom, a lot of pain. She says, it hurts me. I said, I bet you don't. You don't want your kids to go through what you went through. But for some reason, even though you don't want to be that person, you end up being that person sometimes, right? And she looked at me, and she looked up, and she shook her head, yes. Confused. Like, yeah, how, how, how do you know? I've been there. You hate that experience. You hate that moment. And you say, I don't, want, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that person that was involved in my trauma. So I'm not going to be like them. And you're determined, but you end up being like them. Because the mind holds all these experiences. And we've been conditioned already with all these experiences. And so I said, you will not be 100% to those kids as long as you don't face your hurt and your pain. Right now, you're functioning at 40% per se, just to say a number, based on the experience that just happened, the trauma that those kids now went through, they are now, now they have experienced a trauma themselves. A mom that's crying out help, but doesn't want to face those traumas and the history of abuse and everything that she witnessed through her life. 
And I said, as, and I called her by her name and I held her hand and I said, as long as you don't deal with those experiences and those traumas that hurt and pain, you are robbing those kids from getting to have 100% of their mama. Because you will never be able to function at 100% as long as you don't begin to heal. And I'm sorry that I tell you, I'm not telling you to leave your psychiatrist. I'm not, a, I'm not here to give you any medical advice. But you know that we're made out of three parts. Spirit, body, and soul. And I said, who deals with your soul? Who deals with your spirit? The psychiatrist? The psychologist? It will numb it. You'll feel numb. You'll be able to laugh and have a good time because you're getting numbed. But it's still there. And guess what? The moment something happens, because you have that thought framed condition, those traumas are conditioning your thought frame. That's what your mind holds. Your emotions will be a byproduct of the way you think. Everything that she went through, just what she shared that her, she went through with her children, she almost lost them. It's all because there are emotions that are a byproduct of the way you think. We have to come to understand that when in the Bible it talks about the renewing of the mind, ladies, we cannot ignore it. It is something that we constantly need to be allowing to happen. And this shouldn't make us feel overwhelmed. This thought of having to cons be consistent and constant in the allowing the Lord to renew our mind should not be an overwhelming feeling because it is not you who's doing this. It is he who does it. And it is the Holy Spirit that counsels you and I. And he's the one that prompts us when we need to be reminded. It is his word that transforms us. His word transforms us. It is the knowledge of God that's important for a mind set to be established, a mind that's ready, a mind that walks like Paul was sharing with us, a mind set, a being, just being, being that person that surrenders everything to Christ and lives in a contentment because to me, it's gain to die. I understand now. But it's a mindset, and the only way that we will get there is beginning to know, 
beginning to know with a capital K, capital N, capital O, capital W, begin to know your God. I don't know how many of you ladies were able to get that book a while back. I think it was during the pandemic when we began to meet for prayer and I think, or maybe a Bible study, the ladies, um, if you recall me talking about a book by J.I. Packer, Knowing God. I wanna just uh, share with you a paragraph that he wrote in his book. And just, let's listen in. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. What of all the states God ever sees man in gives him the most pleasure? What of all the states God oversees, ever sees man in gives him the most pleasure? It gives God the most pleasure that you and I have the knowledge of himself. You may want to write this on your notes and in your time, ladies. You read and reread special. This, these are called the special versions, the special verses of tonight. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire steadfast love rather than burnt offering. That's God saying, he prefers our participation of the kingdom than any burnt offering. Matthew 9.13 says, God says, I desire mercy, but not sacrifice. In other words, I desire that you give mercy that you walk in mercy, give people mercy, give yourself mercy, have mercy, display mercy, be the ambassador of mercy. Instead of observing religion, observances of days and holidays and religious rituals. That's what he's saying there. You and I can do religious rituals and observances but he says, I, I don't want that sacrifice. I want you to have mercy. That is who I am. That is having the knowledge of me and living the knowledge of me. And in those two verses, we see love and mercy. What he's saying, I delight in the loyalty I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice. 
and in the knowledge of God, in knowing God rather than burnt offering. Because if we know God, we will have a mind like him. We will live in contentment. Then we will be able to release mercy. We will be able to release love. His love, his mercy. The more we know God, the more we surrender naturally. It's not something we need to work on. We see here that to God, it clearly states that what moves him and what brings satisfaction is to know and be able to answer that question when you say, who is he? Who are you, God? To have the knowledge of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us your word, for giving us direction through your word, for having the truth that no man, no man can come and dictate. No man can come and tell us it's your word. It's the word of God spoken through man, not man's thoughts, not man's ideas of who you are, but truly who you are. That's who we want to know. We want to know you for who you are, God, the knowledge. Give us the knowledge. Give us wisdom. Give us you, God. Make us hungry to know you. And when we pray that we want more mercy, more love, more forgiveness, if we just have you, we have everything God I pray that upon every single woman here connected may God's knowledge be in you impregnated in you and desiring to want to know your God give room give room give room make room from all the things that are saturating your mind Make time to read his word, get to know him, to be able to trust him like Paul. He was able to be bold. He was able to be crazy, just crazy, sold out for God because he knew, he knew who God is. He knew who God is and he knew who lived inside of him. He, he was active in his walk. He took every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Ladies, we're not speaking of perfection. We're speaking about being. So ladies, going now quickly to resume the mind map that you all received, whether, like I said earlier, whether you got a chance to do it or not, the next thing that I'd like you to just take a look at that mind map, the things you listed that are basically taking over your thinking pattern. I wanted to just give you an example. Out of that list, take the most dominant emotion that you're feeling right now or in these days, in this season, and place it in the center. Just circle it. And right there, you're going to have, again, you're going to place the dominant emotion. And then you have maybe like three or four bubbles coming out of there and put in whatever 
all any of the, those emotions that you're experiencing things that you're thinking the most that you spend your time thinking about i'm just going to give you a couple of examples it could be work there's a project due disagreement with a coworker maybe feeling annoyed or just having a hard time with your boss maybe an inadequate boss friends could be another one it could be that you're thinking about how you're feeling lonely lately how you feel like just that you're always giving and no one's ever returning anything I'm excited about a few new friends. The other thing could be faith. I feel distant from God. I don't know what my role is in the kingdom. I feel like I'm not doing enough for God. The other one could be our health or body, health slash body. I'm worried about a doctor's appointment. I'm feeling insecure about my weight. I feel anxiety flaring up and I don't just don't get enough rest. Remember the mind map, I asked that you write 10 things that you've spent the most time thinking about, but all of, out of all those Circle and put at the center the most dominant and start looking and evaluating where is it that you're, where all, all these thoughts um, begin to put them in, in different, you know, sections that may apply. But if anything, when you're done, think about what we talked about tonight. Think about what Paul is saying in the first chapter. That's there's four chapters, and right now we just finished the first one. And in the email, I also said in number two to write down some of the things that you see Paul is grateful for. And I don't know if anyone, before we wrap up, maybe you, you did answer that question and you'd like to share it. Anyone would like to share what they wrote down on the things that they saw Paul show that he was grateful for? Anyone? Pastora, it's Maria. Um, I I did, I wrote, um, like, I think if you mentioned that his imprisonment, he mentioned he was grateful for that um, because it was helping to advance the gospel. And also it, it was gaining um, people in the people around him or his friends or co-believers uh, were gaining confidence in the Lord um, and that the word was being spoken fearlessly all because of his imprisonment and he was giving thanks for that. Yes, exactly. I put that too, Maria. Anyone else have anything else? Um, I just want to add to what Maria said, but um, I wrote that he's grateful for us believers um, because we share with him the special favor of God and he wants us to fall in love with God and to grow in knowledge. Um, and he wants us to know what really matters in this life of ours. Beautiful. 
Thank you, Brittany. Anyone else? Okay, we had some other questions, but we know that just um, one more thing that I had is that he desired for them to be reminded that it is in preparation that one day standing before the king, and that was for um, number four, uh, verses 15 through 17. And I'm sorry, nine and 10, verses nine and 10 of Philippians. I put that he desired for them to be reminded that it is all in preparation, that everything we go through in this life, everything that we're doing for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of his glory, is all in preparation that one day we'll be standing before the king and we will give account. And like he said, and he reminded us in Hosea and in Matthew that he is not, what, what causes satisfaction in our God is not the sacrifices that we do. He makes that clear. And it's, you know, sacrifices to him is, you know, it's, and, and I can see that. I can see because it is easier to sacrifice your time or to sacrifice. We can, we can sacrifice according to how we feel a sacrifice should look like. You know, and whatever measure we have or we make of sacrifices, we give to him. And he's saying, that's not what I want. I want your obedience. I want your, you to know my knowledge. I want you to know me. That's what satisfies me. Because if you know me, you're going to give mercy. If you know me, you're going to live in contentment. Even if you feel in, as bad as being in prison and have joy when you walk and you're going through a, a, a tough time, a hard time. But like, like I repeated uh, earlier that it's not in our effort. It's, in, it's through his grace. We don't need to work hard at it. Just take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But how are we going to know what thought to hold captive if we don't know the mind of Christ? We need to know him. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, give us a hunger for you. Give us a hunger to want to know you. No matter where, I may be in my walk with you. At this moment, I come and I just surrender everything before you, my mind, my ways, and everything about me, Father God. And I want to be an imitator, Father God, of the good things. But not the good things, not what I call good, but what you call good. An imitator of Christ and have a mind like his. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me, give me a hunger, so much hunger, Father, that I begin to carve out time every day to read your word, to meditate in your word, to get to know you so that I won't, I won't be defeated in my thoughts. I won't be defeated in my mindset because I will know what thoughts to hold captive. I have a weapon 
And I want to believe that I have a weapon. I'm able, I'm capable through you, God, to be able to hold those thoughts captive and submit them to you. Not submit them to me, not me battling with them, but submit them to you, to your obedience, God. And thank you for reminding me that I need to know, I need to know the way you think. I need to know who you are so that I can be obedient to you and not to what I create in my own mind. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm part of a kingdom. Your word says that we are ambassadors of Christ here on earth. And I want to begin to take that role seriously. I want to live out. I want to be sold out for you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And thank you, ladies, for joining this Bible study. I pray and continue to pray for you all. Pray for me, pray for us, that we will hear amazing testimonies at the end of this series or even through the series. If anyone ever wants to share while we're on, you know, share at the end of any of our classes, anything that you've been experiencing, that you want to share a testimony to give glory to our God, please feel free to drop a note on the chat and let us know. I bless you all, ladies. Have a good night and see you Tuesday, next Tuesday. It'll, uh, Maria will remind you that this uh, will be up in our website, the Kingdom Center LA website. Kingdom Center LA. Have a good night.